0: After consulting with the personal physician of the macho man, Randy Savage, I cannot in good conscience allow Randy Savage to participate in the Survivor Series. With the tragic events of this past weekend still fresh in all our minds, I accept full responsibility for allowing such a potentially dangerous reptile at ringside. I will accept Jake Roberts' explanation at face value that this was indeed an accident. And that he had been led to believe that his King Cobra had indeed been devenomized by the lab. However, resting upon my shoulders is the welfare of everyone here in the World Wrestling Federation. Therefore, effective immediately, the King Cobra and all reptiles are barred from ringside. In addition, after careful consultation with the macho man Randy Savage and his doctor, It is my decision that he be reinstated immediately and that a match between Randy Savage and Jake Roberts be sanctioned at the earliest possible date, which will be this coming Tuesday night in Texas. See this Tuesday in Texas exclusively on pay-per-view cable television. It's the year's greatest pay-per-view bargain. Call your local cable company right now. Don't miss this Tuesday in Texas.
1: It's not been a great week or so in the world of wrestling with some tragic news, both the passing of Danny Hodge and also Brodie Lee. Um, I'm here with regular co-host Dan Phillips and we're hoping to bring you a bit of light at the end of 2020 um, as we move forward with our seventh instalment of this month in wrestling history and we're getting in our time machines and going back to December 3rd, 1991 for the first ever WWF pay-per-view to air in that month. Um, so I'm alongside virtually rather than physically in contravention of Tier Four rules and social distancing measures. Regular co-host Dan Phillips, how are you doing today, Dan? I don't know why I paused in between your names there.
2: I'm uh, I'm very good. Hoping we could bring some uh, bring some laughs and a bit of interest to the end of everyone's year and a pre 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 uh, torrid week in the wrestling world. So let's yeah, uh, absolutely uh, put some smiles and some faces, maybe
1: absolutely. And obviously thoughts of all of our thoughts with anyone sort of impacted, family, friends of of, of both uh, Danny Hodge and obviously Brodie Lee as well. Um, So moving on to the review, um, this was an experimental show for the WWF with a $12.95 price tag rather than their usual at the time $24.95 for pay-per-views. And this had been planned to take place on this day, um, six days after the Survivor Series for some time, with local advertising detailing this was going to be a pay-per-view event, um, and a sellout crowd of 8,000, the Freeman Coliseum and not the twenty thousand plus mentioned by Gwilla Monsoon. Probably six or seven times did he mention that twenty thousand?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I must admit, I, I uh, had a quick Wikipedia search, as I often do for these things, and pre watching it, just to, you know, to get the basics of the venue and stuff, and saw that it said the crowd was eight thousand. And then I was like, keep saying twenty. I don't yeah. know, he's he's sneaked them in. <laughs>
1: I mean, twelve thousand is quite an exaggeration, even the WWF. I mean, they exaggerated. I think they exaggerated about, uh, what was WrestleMania 3? Another 15,000, so no, so a little bit less than that. Um, so this show had two key selling points. The return to the ring on television of Macho Man Randy Savage following his career-ending match loss at WrestleMania that year, albeit actually Savage had wrestled in numerous matches throughout 1991 during his so-called retirement. And the rematch for the WWF world title Gravish Challenge Contest between Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker, which ended in a screwy finish, so I'm pretty sure we got this show um, the following Friday night in the UK on Sky Movies Plus at the time. And I do remember pretty vividly the build ups to this one that I haven't watched it for at least 25 years. I'm guessing this is probably a few years before your, oh,
2: before yeah. your time. Is, yeah, This is before my time. I, I have seen it before. Oh, really? Uh, okay, yeah. Purely because of the main event. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, certainly before my time in... When it was released,
3: yeah.
1: So onto the show, we started with Gene Oakland in the bowels of the Joe Louis Arena after the Survivor Series with Ball, Ball? Paul Bearer and the new WWF champion. Gene speculated that Bearer can't be happy with the decision to have the rematch at Tuesday in Texas. Bearer said that nothing was was immortal. Hulkamania died there tonight. Usually when something dies, you have the service straight away, but actually they're going to hold Hogan in the embalming room. And at some point between then and Tuesday, they were going to eviscerate him. Taker then added they were going to show Oakland what they had in store for Hogan as he opened a coffin and we get the always ridiculous shot from inside the casket itself. He added that all of that was left all he had it. All that was left was the burial this Tuesday. What do you think of this uh, opening promo from so, Paul so Bearer and Undertaker here?
2: It said they were under the arena.
1: Yes, the bowels so, of the Joe Lewis Arena. Yeah. yeah,
2: just happens to be a coffin there.
1: Yeah, and a uh, and a
2: camera set up inside. So that's the sort of I don't. I wouldn't want to be knocking about that place. Um, yeah, a bit of a strange one. Uh, it obviously, I, I guess, it set the scene a little bit. Um, you know, if you hadn't sort of watched. You know, if you just go, oh, I'm going to go, like what you did, I'm going to go and watch this this, this." scene. You're like, okay, this is straight after Survivor Series. Set the scene. All a bit weird. All a very poor Bearer. Um, Not too long. I didn't mind it. It was just, it's one of the things that I I will come to it later with The Undertaker and some of the sort of, you know, the gimmicks with the coffin and the being buried and stuff that as a kid, I actually was like, wow. And now I'm watching it going, oh, this is silly. Yeah, well, do you know I, what I mean? Like, yeah,
1: I didn't yeah. like him. I've never liked him really, uh, Undertaker, I mean, yeah. Um, I- I'll but, talk
2: a bit more about how, yeah. seen how I view him now as a kid later on, but this is, a, is an example of, you're not going to put him in a coffin. So, <laughs> <do> you know. <laughs> I-, I
1: forgot to mention actually from the off, and I apologise, Dan, Dan has got me a surprise quiz to do at the end, which I should have mentioned. So after we complete our review, I'm quite anxious about this because it this sprung on me earlier on today. So... I'm looking forward to humiliating myself in the same way. I didn't
2: want any any uh, this is a test of your pure knowledge not not how much you can remember. I wanted a a real a real quiz for you, a real challenge. I suspect I'm a that- more common thing but in essence it's you so You've got a right. chance of
1: winning. <laughs> I reckon I'm going to humiliate myself just like Team GB did in that uh, that quiz in October.
3: Whoa, um, so... <laughs>
1: that? Yeah, no, sorry about that. So there was a great enthusiastic opening from Gorilla Monsoon as he let out a great holy mackerel. Bobby Heenan was on commentary with him and Bobby said they were eyewitnesses to the death of Hulkamania. And tonight they were going to see the wake. Monsoon said that Hulkamania, all, Hulkamaniacs all over the world were looking for a reincarnation. Um, they went on to talk about Savage versus Robert's match with a special stipulation from Jack Tunney of no snakes in the corner. And we heard that from the top. Uh, and Bobby speculated it might be a second wait tonight and you could usually get two for one. I thought this was a great exchange from the classic WF commentary duo. What did you think of, uh, of Bobby and Gorilla here to start off with?
2: Yeah, that's interesting you said that, actually. So my note here is um, I-, I like uh Bobby when he's on commentary, I also I would like him on soon. He really epi- his voice epitomises that sort of the early the early uh, WWF events, mm. um, and 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 it made me just think actually that quite whether it's Bobby the Brain or whether they make or when they've had Roddy Piper, whatever a change in in commentary from what I'm watching now. And I, and I don't know who what the commentary setup is like on WWE, right? But Back then, you had, and then you can tell during the you know, during the show, you had the good guy and the bad guy. The good cop, bad cop. You, know, you had the yes. monsoon. Generally, the lead, it, and, and later on, it had been JR, being, you know, want it all done fairly. And then you had the other person playing that complete devil's advocate of, you know, oh, they're not that bad. Or, you know, remind me of, you know, when you're listening to the sports, sports phone-ins and you've got one of the pundits on there and he's giving his opinion and you're thinking, you don't think that, but you're saying that. To row us up so we call in, and 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 they used to. It just made me think about how good that used to be, and like how like so for me, my era was was mainly Jr. and Jerry the King, and sometimes I used to get really riled up like with Jerry King, like oh my, how do you think that? Why? What are you (laughs) like? And and it worked right, and it really worked. Um, But really interesting now is, and again, I'm sorry, I don't know the WWE set, but say AEW, that's three good guys.
3: Yes,
1: yeah. So you've got yeah.
2: Giovanni, Jr. and...
3: Um,
1: Excalibur.
2: They're just three... They're three blokes that are constantly... Oh, like, you know, if they see anything heelish, they they all hate it. Mm. And I've not really thought about that until this. And now, now I've thought about that, I'm now annoyed about... I think I'm already annoyed about the future episodes of AEW I'm going to watch, I'm going to be like, oh, come on, man up. Like, about the commentators. <laughs> like, because I just think, going back... Like, that did work really well. And I wonder why, I wonder why EW haven't continued that. Maybe it's a case of they just wanted to get, They he maybe he was just like, you know, Tony Khan was, I'm setting up wrestling. I want, I want JR. I want Tony Giovanni, Cause when I was a kid, they were the two, you on know, the, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. things I want, you know, I want Excalibur from the independent scene. But whether that's something he's thought of, because I think it's really good. They touch upon it in AEW sometimes when like so Jericho goes on there and plays devil's advocate. Yes. And yeah, interestingly, yeah. when Jericho goes on, I think from what we've seen on the reviews, they're there like they the reviews of or the 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 critics on them shows are really like they really, everyone likes Jericho going on. There. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you wonder is there something that could you keep that going? I don't know. I I just think it's a bit strange that it's completely changed.
1: I think there's a couple of things. I do I do I do wonder if the heel commentator is slightly, maybe slightly played out. And I wonder if it fits into AW's alleged kind of sports-like presentation. Um, I do also wonder whether that's some, a Jericho commentary, like once every four to six weeks, whether if he was on there every week, whether the jokes might wear a bit thin. Um,
0: but yeah, also
1: the, the other thing as well, as I think it's really important. Jerry Lawler was a very, very, very strong commentator. And Bobby Heenan was like a genius, like a comedic, timing genius you've got you've got two exceptional people there and I do yeah. wonder if you get someone especially modern day WWE where you've got someone like Corey Graves tried to do this a little bit and um, and I do wonder whether someone just were, like ha, like playing at it without the natural ability wouldn't it, it, you be better plan it straight kind of thing if that makes sense um, but no, I agree. I think Heenan, Heenan was... I mean, my dad used to... Like, for the first few years I watched WF and he, he was still watching it with me, probably up until around WrestleMania 9. I think I think the Hogan victory over Yokozuna in like seven seconds was the thing to make my dad never watch WF ever again. But he um, he really liked Bobby Heenan. And I think like he would kind of explain to me that he's like playing this... Because I I never thought wrestling was real because my... Grand watched it and my dad was aware of it, the British stuff. And they always explained to me that it was always a work. So I never, right. I never had it. I think most They're people are the other way around, you, weren't they? Bless. Yeah, I think so. They were like, "It is, it is. This is, this is all a show. This is all." And I remember there was, I've talked about this on the show before. There was one angle with Dustin Rhodes. Funnily enough, with Dusty Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, where I think Dustin got busted wide open, and he was ringside for a Dusty Rhodes match. And I was like, "Surely this is real." And That was the thing when I was young that really stands out to me. But apart from that, I don't ever really. Like, obviously, I'd get into it. And I'd be like worried about my. Like, I'd want Randy Savage or someone to win, but. Yeah, I always really enjoyed Heenan. and um, So there's no better way to start the show. Uh, well, perhaps there is, actually, you know, I said that. But then with Skinner challenging Bret the Hitman Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, so no one has ever been more excited about anything ever than the girl that got the Bret Hart sunglasses. <laughs> there was screaming. There was shouting. It was incredible. And perhaps even more so um, was her business on top and part of the back, full on mullet. And Heenan said, and I, Heenan said, and I quote, The bimbo needed some oxygen. What did you make of this? I've
2: just put, hysterical girl gets the glasses slash bimbo. I mean, she lost it. She lost Um, lost her uh, mind, yeah. To the point, I think even sort of, Brett sort of went to do it that whole, you know, like normally he put the glasses on the person, whatever, sort of went to, and I think he then sort of pulled away as in, I think wrong. (laughs) I've picked the wrong one here. I've committed him. now. I've got to go through if, with it. I wonder if after that he just always gave it to children. Show <laughs> uh, yeah, what I'm she really was like, one of the
1: older because I don't bit. know how old she'd been, like sixteen or seventeen or something. But she, like this was unbelievable. Like this was like Brett was like one of the Beatles or something here. Yeah. Um, so I actually watched this match a few weeks ago for the as yet as yet unfinished and likely always unfinished Brett Hart paper, per view watch along. But being a consummate journalist, I did watch the whole thing again. And um, I thought this started pretty slow, but was okay by the end. Um, Brett was the victim of a shot with an alligator claw during this. And Heenan also said that Skinner lived out in the Everglades in a sleeping bag with the gators. And um, Brett kicked out of Skinner's reverse DDT um, that apparently he used to use on these alligators as well. Uh, and Skinner went for something off the top rope, Brett got a foot up and fought back to the delight of the crowd. And the finish came in 13-46 when Skinner, after another brief period of offence, went for something off the top rope. But Brett caught him in his tracks and then applied the sharpshooter for the win. Um, before I share my rating, what did you think of this ICU title match? Um, I
2: thought it was all right. Um, probably helped somewhat that Brett's in it. Yeah. Um, you sort of have the, pardon the pun, but you have the rose-tinted glasses when you've got a... Yes. A, that is a classic, that is. That's yeah. a great pun there. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I was quite focused on the commentary in on this one, actually. Again, like... And that's what I said before, like Gorilla Monsoon had a real issue with chewing tobacco. <laughs> Kept going like, that's a terrible habit. Oh, <laughs> oh why is it? Oh, like really, really getting into him. And then he's, then when like Heenan was saying, yeah, he lives in a sleeping bag with the alligators. Monsoon was like, well, is that because he's too cheap to get a house? And I this was <laughs> like, whoa, you've got a real problem here. Like, and, and I also noticed the commentary, and, and, this, and this happens a lot. And again, it's something I noticed. How extreme back then the commentators were with what could have happened following a move. Yeah. And so, yeah. for example, in this we had could have broke his shoulder, broke his clavicle. Clavicle, like, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I don't think he did. <laughs> like, you know, they're still going. Yeah, he may have broke his clavicle, and you're watching him like he's just bouncing off the ropes, fine by, him. <laughs> fine mm-hmm. by me. Looks fine for me. Yeah, alligator t- uh, claw. He also had a tin of chewing tobacco in one of the corners. Quite unique. Quite unique props. Um, and then uh, actually maybe look, do a bit of research on Skinner, and I saw that he doubled up as Doink the Clown. Um, oh, Steve
1: Kern. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: apparently he was an illusion of Doink at WrestleMania 9.
1: Yes, when... Because the original Doink, Matt Bourne... Um, yes. He, he, he stopped being Doink for 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 some reason. I can't I can't recall. This is one me and Mark Dunderdale. Mark, calling you, paging. Can you tell me the yeah. reason why Steve Cairn, um why like Matt Bourne stopped being doinked. but yeah, he um he was at WrestleMania 9 after they, they smashed Crush around the head with a, uh, I think it was a cut of plaster cast,
2: I believe. Yeah, um, I mean, I was, I was just, it as I said with, with Skidder, I mean to be honest, he's like he's a big a big union and stuff. He yeah. wrestled fine, he wrestled fine, but um like anything, sharpshooter, game over. Yeah, um, see you later. But do you there. know, what, actually, it was a good start, solid start to a. Yeah, it was solid. We, we we've often said about being quite critical about how some of these pay-per-views have started whether they've gone too big yep. or gone really poor and I think this is about right for an opening match yeah anyway. I've written it was alright not quite in the recommend
1: category but always good seeing Brett from around this time yeah, I think. exactly I put it was alright and i put yep. in brackets due to Brett's participation mainly. yes 100% so they cut backstage to Jake Roberts with Sean Mooney Mooney said that there would be no reptile allowed in his corner and he added that he saw Savage earlier and he is wired to the max and can't wait to get him in the ring Um, Jake cut a classic promo here talking about Savage drowning in the poison from the snake the last time he saw him referring to the crazy angle on WWF Superstars where they actually had a king cobra bite Savage on the arm. He talked about Savage's eyes being gone but how the eyes he most enjoyed looking in were Elizabeth's pupils so small so intent So scared for the man she loved and what a rush he got. Up and down his back, it felt so good listening to Savage Squeal. Robert said that anything he does out there is because of Jack Tunney. He has pulled the trigger and anything he does is Tunney's fault. He finished with the classic trust me line. This was phenomenal, phenomenal promo. 10 out of 10 promo. Stop whatever you're doing and and watch this, Jake Roberts, because it was unbelievable. What did you think of Robert's promo
3: here?
2: I'm Right, I know how critical, or how we've had some... Certainly yourself has had some negative things to say about Jake, probably more now. Yes. And I watched that promo and thought to myself, if he says one bad thing about this, I'm going <laughs> to pull him up. And I'm so glad you said that. No, it was you know incredible. What? Wow. Yeah. It was intense. And just to clarify, not spoiler alert, but there's an interview later on that, for me... is, is even better, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly I'm, with it. The intensity. Yeah. I was fit... Do you know what? I've put... He, he was getting quite sort of erotic about, Mat- yeah. He was suffering. Yeah, like, he looked like yep. he was sort of like, you know, if the camera panned down, we might have been in for a surprise. Like he was, maybe, <laughs> but bo- he was going to bring his snake to the ring. I don't know, but like he was, oh, like it was. If he, one thing I was going to actually ask is, and and you'll and you'll notice, I think. um So, see, Matchroom Man come out of it. Ines- for this and he was bitten by the snake but my question is after his retirement match why was he still knocking around what was he doing in that oh okay fight? yeah no i can't keep him in the in the frame
1: i'm always a bit worried when you ask me these questions because i worried that i'm not going to know the answer but yeah i do no, know the know answer to this so basically the, the i'm not sure i'm i don't know what the squat the underlying score and, I, and I'm, I may have read this somewhere but i don't know what the reason was for savage Savage may have worked like ten to twelve matches during that time he was off, but not not a ruck of regular schedule, um, and obviously no nothing on TV. Um, but he he was he was on commentary, so the commentary commentary booth for basically from WrestleMania um, all the way through until um, the, the this this time basically was Savage, Piper, and Vince. Um, but this was on Superstars with Gorilla and, and Bobby on challenge. But um, obviously the other big thing was that Savage was, they, they were promoting the idea, which they would have known at WrestleMania to do the Savage and Elizabeth wedding at SummerSlam. So that was, that was a, there was a double main event at SummerSlam. So it was Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior versus um, Sergeant Slaughter and, and his, his crew basically. And then Savage and Elizabeth getting married in the ring. So that was what he was being kept around for. So um I think it's interesting. Straight after WrestleMania, we're talking about heel commentators. Initially, after WrestleMania, Savage played the role as a heel commentator, even though he turned babyface at WrestleMania, which was really odd, really bizarre. And then after the after the proposal, he played full babyface. In so it's really weird, really, really weird watching that. But anyway, he he did go full full face in the end. Um,
2: so that, yeah, that's why he was around, basically. Yeah, no, I was just interested in that because. But again, that was uh, it's an excellent program. Another thing they had done good was they they rolled into the next promo which uh, you can describe now which I also thought was very good
1: yeah Randy's up next alongside Jean Oakland and Miss Elizabeth in a gold shiny dress Savage says Roberts has taught them not to trust him with the things that he does he knows he gets a rush from the snake and the venom going through his veins he also gets a rush looking into Elizabeth's eyes. I thought Elizabeth's facials here were so good. She showed genuine concern for Savage. And I always thought with Elizabeth, it was this, it was, you didn't need her out. And they did a lot of this in WW later on. They, they didn't need her out there doing a lot of stuff. The, 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 the strength in, in, in Liz, with the nuances and the subtleties and her facials were incredible here. Um, Savage says he's going to get it into a situation where he's standing on the turnbuckle and he's going to crush him with the elbow for the one, two, three and then he's going to get that rush. Um, his rush is when he looks in Elizabeth's eyes when Roberts has been beaten. They um, cut to Roberts' music while Savage is finishing his promo and he says... The date with Destiny is now, as Liz sort of says, as Randy, as, as Randy goes off. Have you got anything to add to Savage's promo here before we cut into the, the fast start of the match? Again, fairly,
2: fairly erotic again. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, do you know I, I, I know he always does it, but you really noticed that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I had, yeah, as well. Like, I mean, I actually put, he gets a rush looking into Elizabeth Fires. I actually just put, who do Very um... attractive lady, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful um... one. Oh, I do think she's a sort of like uh, she's a sort of lady that
1: you look at and you think, I just want to make sure that she's the perfect temperature at all times and oh, hold her hand across a busy road uh, and like uh, yeah, give her your yeah, jacket yeah. and all that. So it's like, yeah, like, yeah. a proper lady, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Correct, yeah. Um, and the other thing I quite liked, you know, it was really good about how at the end you heard when he was talking. This I thought this was so good. How you heard the trust me, yeah, trust me just just in the background like it was being whispered in and then he ran I was yeah. like I was I rewound I was like oh my god they've done that so perfectly and I and you know what I actually thought maybe it was a bit of an accident but it worked an absolute treat yeah it was phenomenal he ran, like you just he was just finishing and you just heard that in the background and it was like whoa here we go this is gonna go off
1: it was, so, it was so well done. So Savage runs out behind Roberts when Roberts is walking down the aisleway um, and goes to him before the belt. And the crowd was absolutely electric for this as Randy went on the attack with his jacket and hat still on. Um, this is the first time that they've, they've seen Savage. And this, is, this, this match has been building since... Basically, Roberts attacked Savage at uh, Lizard and Savage's uh, wedding reception after SummerSlam. So this has been a, you know, not a super long build, no, 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 not a long build in terms of a year, but, you know, three or four months in terms of waiting for this. Um, so Savage had an outfit on that Boyd Pierce would have been proud of, black and red checks with multicoloured portions interconnecting them. This was super heated. And I thought Heenan and Monsoon did a great job on commentary ramping up the drama monsoon at one point saying that roberts was trying to finish off the devil's job by beating savage heenan said that this was more important than a wrestling match someone was going to get hurt and get hurt bad so roberts went on on the went to work on the bandage on randy's arm where he'd been bitten by the snake and they seemed like they had painted some red on this to make it look like he was bleeding through the bandage did you notice that the the kind of red paint here it's
2: very red yeah yeah (laughs) like also like okay you've been bit by a snake but if that's still bleeding like that, mate, you probably shouldn't be. Yeah. I think probably, probably back to hospital
1: for you. Yeah. Um, Heenan hilariously said that if Randy had stayed single, we wouldn't be having these problems. And that was the same for most guys. I thought that was, (laughs) that might have been my favorite line of the whole night. Um, Robert signaled he was going for the DDT, but Savage fought him off by slamming him into the turnbuckle in the corner. The commentators speculated that Roberts might have a cracked rib. Savage headed to the top rope and dropped the big elbow for a surprising fast win in 6.25 to an absolute eruption from the crowd. But the story really was only a a quarter told at the conclusion of the match here. Savage tried to grab a chair to go after Roberts again, but was stopped by a WWF official. He then went for a bell to, to try and hit him with the bell. a huge cheers from the crowd, but the ref grabbed it and Roberts hit him with a DDT. So, from the December 16th, 1991 issue of the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer recapped the following. Roberts gave Savage three DDTs and Elizabeth came down and kept begging him to stop. Roberts pulled out a bag and they pretended there was a snake in the bag and teased it for about 100 years. At least it seemed that long, climaxing with Jake slapping Elizabeth before Jack Tunney, Pat Patterson, Rene Goulet and the like all made the save this was just about the most dramatic angle I've ever seen. Most angles in wrestling are rushed through a major problem with WWE for some reason. So the needed drama isn't there. If anything, this, this went on for too long. Lord knows they needed something big to get Roberts over as a main event heel draw. They did something big, but whether it works or not is another story. And then he gives two stars to match for another, another star for the angle. So, Onto what I've said, I thought this was incredibly intense and actually quite uncomfortable to watch at times. I could have done without the slap on Elizabeth, albeit it looked like Jake worked that as well as he possibly could have done. But that aside, this was extremely well done. Just, just a phenomenal angle um, to extend this feud onto a house show run and then the eventual blow off in early 1992 at uh, Saturday night's main event prior to WrestleMania. So before we move on to Robert's post-match promos, obviously quite a lot we've gone through there. What did you make of this match? And obviously this uh, incredibly
2: intense angle here. It's interesting that you've read about the, um, what the Observer said there about building up an angle. Um, It really made you think like, I'm watching this however many years before this is 29 or whatever. And having only just sort of understanding the comment, obviously watching the promos and, and and hearing the commentary about the background, and I was fully in into this, right? Yeah. I feel now, nowadays that when there's a when you're watching a match or the, and they're trying to make an angle, and there's no belt involved, they would do it. It's so poorly done. There's no like, like I think we've discussed before. You know, or, you know, not on the pod, just you know, text and stuff. When AEW is like. Oh, okay, best friend. Like, you know, best friends are attacking whoever it is in AEW. You're trying to make a thing of it. It's not yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like all AEW do is a match happens, and then some random team will turn up, beat another team up outside, like after the match, and then they will have a feud for two weeks, and then it yeah. ends. There's no build up. You can't get in it. You know, it'll be it'll be on one of the pay per views, and i and it'll be one of the ones I'm like, I'll just be done in a minute. Right, like you know, if I actually think about an AEW, the only really one, you know, you get into the belt ones, but we've even discussed even some of them are like, well, this you put the belt up too early, or you know, you're not going to lose it. This, I'm not saying it's just then, but like I always remember there was so many. Like I'd watch a pay per view, and I'd be interested in pretty much every match.
1: I always think, not, not to I always line, think that was the thing that it was like have they done a good job of this? There's seven or eight matches. How many of them am I interested in? If it was more, if it was more than more than half, I thought I'd done a good job. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I was really interested. It was, you know, nothing on the line, you know. And 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 as, and I think it's to a testament. I, I put down that the match itself was six, six and a half minutes. Yeah. And the post match was eleven. Yeah. I've got roughly right. That's not including the interviews. So it was all about the after bit. I mean. I would say one thing. I, I know it's free DDTs. I do always laugh. You know, still a DDT. I mean, he does hit it hard, but I mean, free or not, Savage was, as he said, he was semi-conscious. Yeah, like it was, which I don't even know what. But he's they about they there. had
1: to be fair on the DDT. That this, you're talking about. Jake Roberts in the WWF since what eighty six and five years of no one kicking out of the DDT, so super yeah, super right. protected, super yeah. over. So yeah, I get, I get. You know, it's now it's a it's a transition move, isn't it? Whereas which yeah. is you, you know you pile drive someone or Canadian destroyer someone, they get up. But yeah, yeah, it's different because it's, it's a different time and
2: place, isn't it for this one? Uh, I mean, the other thing was let's say he suggests he's got a cobra in the bag. I'm... Given the size of the bag, it's either a very small cobra or more like a grass snake. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and, and also like, I did wonder when he walked away, I wasn't sure like what. He looked a bit like he thought there was meant to be a snake in that bag. I think he got a glove out and he was looked a bit. I kept looking at him and he looked a bit miffed. Like, why is there nothing in the bag? I think he, he was just away, playing was it like, up, wasn't, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Again, it's very good acting. I've got here the L Hebner Elizabeth. Um, some brilliant acting. Um, yeah. Hebner seeming to think that him pointing his finger and pleading was gonna do anything. Um, but Elizabeth took the hit really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was again the match itself, not really much going on. It was it was fine, but it was six minutes, or whatever. But yeah. the after bit was very yeah it was just you know nothing nothing too extreme but you know what actually, it was quite it was quite an awkward watch in regards to ooh, without any you know normally you're saying that because they brought a chair in or some sort of barbed wire or something
1: i thought was this was psychologically intense lunatics. this was this was yeah this wasn't yeah you know what you've nailed it there this wasn't this wasn't i don't want to see kenny omega do a um, whatever he did a phoenix phoenix uh, uh phoenix splash onto john moxie on without the ring without with the yeah. ring exposed and just like mess himself up this was a this was a psychologically intense wrestling angle this was like watching a you know a hot like a, a, a very serious drama on tv and it's like Oh, this is a bit awkward. This is, you know, but this, it's, this, this was, this was good stuff. So, yeah, this was, um, this was, this was quite, quite the, quite the presentation. Here. I would go recommend overall for the whole thing if you, because the match is part of an angle, really. Here, what would you, would you sort yeah, of say the same for this? Recommend,
2: yeah, but for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, perfect. Roberts did a promo after Savage was helped from the ring with Gene Oakland. Oakland called him a bona fide sicko for slapping a woman. Robert said that no one wants a woman who is going to grovel and beg for someone's life. He added that DDTing Savage felt fine, but the best feeling he ever had was pulling Elizabeth by her hair. But what felt even better was slapping her. Um, He said that Randy felt he needed to cross his path that he should bring Liz along with him and that he could cultivate her into something even he could want. Again, I've not done that any justice there and I've, I've messed something up in my notes, but um, that was a phenomenal promo again from Robert. And I think along the same lines as you said earlier on with very much a kind of kind of sexual, you know, undertone of like a sexual weird creep here. What did you think of this follow-up promo I from... Continue, uh,
2: yeah, it continues to be quite sexual. Yeah. And I felt the intensity... On this was more,
3: yeah, Moore.
2: yeah. Particularly, he does this sort of cross on his chest? Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, my God, this guy is scary. Like, I don't know. It was. Do you know what it was as well? It was a case of maybe I've just got used to the Jake Roberts of now.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and
2: yeah. you forget. And actually, to be honest, some of the things we've watched and um, some of these reviews, he's not had a. Part to play like this? No, you know no. he 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 looks actually like he's been trying to to become relevant. I was like, oh hello, you've arrived. This is yeah, this is and and, and it actually reminded me because um, he was one of the um sort of wrestling figures I used to have. And, the old and arm been, that went like that. Yeah, man, can't say
1: that on a podcast, so that's good, this, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and with the
2: snake <laughs> round the neck that you lose straight away. Yeah. Um, Actually, going back to that, they keep panning to someone in the crowd that's got a Hulk Hogan pillow.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, uh,
2: definitely had one of them. And for anyone <laughs> that had one of them, they would appreciate how amazing they were when you were pretending to be a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, because it was just like wrestling a mini Hulk Hogan <laughs> in them and everything. Anyway, so uh, I've completely taken the intensity away from Jake there, but that's all right. It was really good, really, really good. Yeah, actually. Uh, really good.
1: So we cut back to the ring and it was time for a WrestleMania 7 rematch featuring the Boar Lord versus our countryman, Davy Boy Smith. Now, he was born in Manchest- uh, Manchester or Leeds, actually. I can't remember one of the two. Uh, so does that count? Was- I know we said in the, la- the last uh, episode that some- sometimes the North doesn't count. So are we counting uh, I, Dave- I think we got to count.
2: A oh, we got to count Davy Boy, haven't we? It, it, it counts. I think I, counts. Was just being, I was just being a <laughs> bit... Uh, rude to my
1: fellow yeah it was a, a, definitely a very la- laugh out loud moment um tough spot for these two given what had just come before them and um, Heenan on commentary was still talking about the match prior stressing the seriousness of the angle um and this was this this was really good and this again goes back to what you talked about about a heel commentator so occasionally when something is so serious the heel commentator won't agree with it so on commentary Rob um, Heenan wasn't defending Roberts, um, saying that he wasn't going to take sides and that Randy was going to go over the edge because of his love for Elizabeth. I thought that was exceptional work from Heenan there. Um, There were also some great lines from him um during it's this. Realistic
2: sh- in it. Sorry, I meant to what you said earlier. Exactly.
1: Really you can sick. play it up, and you're saying,
2: back yeah, back earlier about when you've had the the, the people that tried to be heel commentator since they would also have gone yeah, I didn't think anything was wrong. And then you'd have gone, okay, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I actually think that
1: you took I, the, you're you an act now. I tell you who, who did it a bit in New Japan and could, you did it definitely in New Japan and could do it now is Don Callis. Don Callis could, yeah. if they wanted to do, him to do that, he could do it. Because the, the the thing with a good heel is, a good heel is supposed to be able to justify their actions. And if they can justify it, then the commentators can justify it as well. Um. So Heenan, I'm sure you're going to cover some of his his uh, his um, his lines here, which I've I've written here. I'm sure the hardest working man in podcasting will note some of these down. And um, aside from the deathly long, and I mean deathly long, for Nelson spot, this was a little bit better than I thought it would be. The finish came in 12:45 when Davy caught the Warlord in a crucifix. Solidly, it was in the all right category for me, um, but far from terrible. What did you think of Davy versus the Warlord here? I
2: feel terrible. I've not written all these. Things oh, there. don't worry, don't worry. Don't and do you know why? <laughs> you know why? Because, <laughs> because it was definitely an all right to the point of, what's our bottom one again?
1: Uh, skip.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm close to that. And mainly because I didn't, people might go, oh, there's X amount of minutes in my life I won't get back. I didn't think of it like that because while I was watching it, getting a bit bored, I went into a quick Wikipedia wormhole. Okay, yeah. So even though, you know, hardest working man in podcasting okay i didn't write down a thing but i still was working yeah right? and um a couple of things the warlord who i know you don't like personally my view of him is his image he's got there in 91 is a bit too early okay that was what wrestlers were looking like five ten years later if, if you think about it
1: oh i don't know about that because it's the steroid really era a gimmick
2: and... as well his gimmick was quite you know back yeah. then you needed a gimmick yeah, if the steroid era been. is about
1: to end here. So I, I know what you're saying, but yeah, he, his body's more, probably more late 80s than uh, than 95 because they, they, they were missing the body guys at that point until basically what happened, WCW Nitro started beating him and then no one bothered ch- testing for drugs for a few years. So you've got like the second yeah. steroid era, basically.
2: Um, the two facts about the warlord, Batista cites him as his all-time favourite wrestler. Wow. fat one. fat two... <laughs> After leaving then he became the bodyguard for 50 Cent.
1: Really? Oh, I think I knew that. Yeah, that's really
3: good facts. Really
2: good. Love really that.
3: good. Yeah, really good.
2: However, thought it was good until this little story, which you guys, you know, again, I always will step back with you guys. You're the real experts. You know, I'm just the sort of guy that comes in and comments and, and talks about Wikipedia and quotes. But um, the British Bulldog, I'm reading this guy's Wikipedia page, and there's a whole segment around that it was claimed that the reason his middle name was boy was because when his parents were registering his birth, under the middle name column, they thought that was where it was. You're meant to put whether it was male or female, named boy. Yes. Right? (laughs) Just to clarify, incorrect. Few reasons. Wikipedia quotes the reasons as being the registrar completes the form.
3: Okay. yeah,
2: Having registered two births is correct. Secondly, there is no middle name box. You just do your first name and second name. Ah, I didn't know that. What so your don't... middle
1: name's not on your birth certificate?
2: No. What they don't mention on Wikipedia, which I was clarifying, when it says gender, it's not boy or girl. <laughs> 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 because just to clarify, you become a man.
1: Yes. Male or female. Male or female. So if he
2: was maybe called Davy Mousemith, then we might have had something <laughs> to go in. But they don't mention that bit. Um, no. But anyway, if anyone's listening... um, you know, just to clarify, his name was David Boyd. That was what he was actually meant to be called. It wasn't a it wasn't a birth certificate glitch. Um the only other thing I had on the match was the crucifix pin, crucifix Yes. pin, classic harm upbringing, yeah. that in it. Yes. That's yes. classic. Um, yeah. I also didn't realise that after the British Bulldog married the sister. Yep. He then married an ex-wife.
1: Of, oh, he what, he was married before he married Diana. No.
2: So he married Diana, is that right?
3: Yeah, Diana, yeah.
2: He then married the estranged wife, estranged wife, is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. Of one of the Hart brothers.
1: Did he? I had no idea about that.
2: Um, I was meant to, do you know what? I didn't write too much. I thought, I'm just going to be teaching people to suck eggs here. Tell you what, this this bodes well for your quiz later.
1: Uh. <laughs> wow, a matt Andrea Redding. I had no idea. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah.
2: And she was married to um Bruce she, Hart? Yes. Bloody
1: hell. Talking about keep it in the family. Wow, no. that is that is mad. That's really, really crazy. That's that's really mad. Do you know the interesting thing about Bruce Hart? You know the Owen Hart, Brett Hart storyline?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, Bruce pitched that to Vince McMahon and Brett. I think uh, I may have got this slightly wrong, but but this is basically in the roundabout, the right thing. Bruce pitched that to Vince to work that himself with Brett. Um, right. And Brett was like, no, nah, let's just do it with Owen. And they did it with Owen instead. So there was always a bit of an a- a- kind of acrimonious relationship there between between the hearts. But like, yeah, how probably, interesting. Probably
2: not as acrimonious as it was between the See, Davy <laughs> and uh, Bruce. Yeah,
1: crikey. Wow. So, I, yes. I believe that Di- allegedly, allegedly... My understanding is that perhaps Steve Austin and Diana, I think that's been mooted, that there might have been allegedly, 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 allegedly underlining
2: bold. You're coming up with the rumours, Mark. I might have had some facts.
1: Facts only, I'm the rumour yeah. man. So, yeah. How interesting.
2: So, yeah. So, in regards to the match, I couldn't really tell you very much. So, I think as a result, I need to be putting a skip there for me.
1: Oh, okay. It was it was it was fine. Well to be honest, this middle of the show was a bit odd really, but it was Actually, it wasn't as bad it's as I thought it was gonna be. Quite
2: interesting when you say about the middle of the show there. One thing I did find out about the show, which I thought was really strange, when you go on the Wikipedia, there was 14 matches that evening.
1: Yeah, they did a wrestling challenge taping as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: but that on the on the Wikipedia page it just has them as dark matches.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, so it says what's it? So I mean, if you were in the audience, you got your money's worth.
1: Yeah, you'd have seen all of that, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um and the other thing I had about that, I, did you did you get the buy rate, or are you going to cover that later? Well, I don't know if you were going to cover
1: that. Uh, later I've later. well, you you say it because I've I've seen conflicting things here. So, what so did you, what I found did you, that the
2: buy rate they classed the buy rate as a, as one. Yeah, which, which worked out as four hundred thousand.
1: Yeah, I think that's OTT. I don't I, I I've I've seen that um, and I don't I've seen that in a in a place, and I didn't I don't believe it. Um, I
2: mean, th- w- what I would say is regardless of, to regardless of. The quality of the matches, which you know, we're three matches in, and I think you know we've sort of said it's all
1: right. I oh, see. So there's two places that have got four hundred thousand. So okay, so on so on on WWE Network news, they state they, they talk about this and they say four million. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> while some while some sources claim that this Tuesday in Texas drew somewhere in the region of four hundred thousand. 000- Buys, which is higher than the Survivor series. More conservative estimates put the number somewhere closer to 140,000, which, considering the event was believed to be a bust never to be tried again, seems far more plausible. And I saw that 140,000 um, in a, in another place, which was the um kind of WF historical pay per view buys. So I I think it must have been the lower end of that because 400,000 for this would have been a huge success.
2: Yes, I, to, I get um, it, and then that's why I was actually one of the things I had to ask you about because. The card, right? It's got Randy Savage coming back out of retirement and Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker, right? I just think the card alone—I know it's only was it a five-match card, six-match card? Yep. I thought the card alone probably warranted a decent buy rate.
1: Well, yeah. The thing yeah, is, got,
2: I'm, I'm just—I mean, maybe okay. It's a Tuesday, and maybe you know people prefer. Then even then, I don't know Sundays. Okay, Sunday's the weekend, but still in the evening, Tuesday evening. You've got work the next day on both of them. I don't know. I, I, I just thought the buy rate, I don't know, sounded about right to me. Um, I don't know. As I saw, they didn't do another Tuesday one until 2004.
3: Yeah, Tuesday okay.
1: night in Tech. Uh, sorry, Taboo not Tuesday night. Taboo, Taboo Tuesday, yeah. But again,
2: I just thought this card would warrant. Because you got to remember, when, you buy, when you're buying it, you don't know what the quality is going to be. I would have thought that the card would have would have led to I don't know I'm just interested in what you think about obviously you well, I don't it, yeah I do not think that, that it would have had a good buy rate because of that card?
1: No because I don't think anyone I, don't, I think
2: that um, the WF as, as a whole it was going to be oh, I wasn't sure people thought it would just be a bit I don't, no again I still don't think that I just think you've got a card with Savage coming back out of retirement and I always just viewed any card with Hogan I would always sell
1: so let's look. If you look at this throughout the throughout the course of, um, okay, let, we'll just do a little. We'll just just do a little bit of pay per view analysis here, just to cut, to kind of try right. and, um, you know, to, to, to put this into some context. And, and, I, and I do I do think that Tuesday in Texas would have been in the one hundred and forty region. I, d- I just don't buy that was four hundred thousand. So. If you look at look at some WrestleMania, so the, so by 1989, the pay per view universe was much bigger, and a lot of people had you know you can't really look at WrestleMania three in the same sort of way because people just didn't have the access. But by 89, that was a really 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 well done show that was very successful, and WrestleMania in 89 did 767 thousand buys. So if you fast forward a year, Warrior and Hogan didn't do very well, and that did 560 for WrestleMania. Um, that year's SummerSlam, the double main event did 507 and Survivors did 400. So by 91, the Royal Rumble, which was um Sergeant Slaughter and Ultimate Warrior, did 440, but they dipped to 400 to WrestleMania because people just weren't interested in that Sergeant Slaughter, Hulk Hogan. And in fact, I think it had um negative, you know, negative to it because they were using the, the Gulf War to try and promote a wrestling match, which was obviously, you know, were very very distasteful. SummerSlam was around that mark as well, and then Survivor Series dropped off a cliff for three hundred thousand. And I just don't think that this pay per view would have had enough. There's not enough going on in the in the, in the company at the time to get people okay. to to do this. You know, and and actually, what it translated to about half the people that bought Survivor Series bought this, and I think that's why they never did it again, basically. Yeah. So in, term, in terms of going forward, though, and obviously talk, thinking about, you know, 400,000 was, you know, potentially a decent number. WWF didn't do 400,000 pay-per-view buys for anything other than WrestleMania 9 and WrestleMania 10 until the 1998 WrestleMania. So nothing got so like to 400,000. Because
2: 400, yeah. I think, you know, I read the 400,000, but one thing I can certainly confirm is that everywhere you read states that it was viewed as a, as a flop yeah exactly so you ain't how can you state something's a flop if it's knocking every other pay-per-view out of park? yeah
1: it? exactly so so that's that's the thing so i mean there's a
2: massive side i just i just thought it's a big thing about this it's one of the reasons we chose this actually in fact isn't it in the point that this was you know ended up being a one-off
3: yes and one of the yeah. big things
2: about it was the fact that you know it was viewed as a flop and maybe we could try and work out why um
1: I just think there's, I just think the comfort, the, the, the you, know, you, had, you had six days promotion for it. The company wasn't very hot at the time. I don't think, I think Hogan had lost his bit of his luster by this point. Um, you know, only 390,000 people bought WrestleMania eight. So, I mean, that's, that's Hogan's retirement. That's, that's what it was billed as Hogan's retirement. Flair versus Savage for the title that was bought by 390,000 people. Um, the company's just in the doldrums. It's just not very popular. But you know, you know, not not as not as bad as it is now. But it just wasn't. People weren't into this. People weren't into Hogan. Hogan was, you know, past his past his prime here. Um, you know, he'd already passed the torch. Didn't work. Got it back to him. I think people were, were a bit sick and tired of it. And um, they cut backstage after the Davey Boy and um, Warlord match to Sean Mooney. Randy Savage. Savage told him to shut up, and Mooney protested that he was just as upset as Randy was. Um, were you really, Sean? Randy Savage's wife just got slapped in the face by a monster and you're making it about you, which I thought was a bit weird. Um, Savage said that Roberts degraded Elizabeth. He'll never forgive himself and it's the worst day of his life. He said it was his fault and he slapped himself in the face. The camera zoomed in on Randy and he said he was going to get Roberts and there's no, there's not going to be anything that can stop him. Um, I thought this was ultra intense from Savage and I think this worked. What did you think of this uh, this second Savage promo of the night?
2: Yeah, very intense again. Yeah. Um... Having seen Dark Side of the Ring, I wouldn't imagine this was too difficult to act either. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually having seen that and then watching this, I sort of didn't really it felt real to me because having seen, you know, what they've said about how he was very protective over her and I would imagine that, that to get that intensity was fairly easy for him. Yeah, to, to to get that because he probably was even even though he knew that was going to happen, it sounded like again that this starts side of the ring, it's people got different views, but it sounded like he got very like that anyway.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and you know, maybe rightly or wrongly, but I was looking at it thinking this guy, you know, I wonder if he's like I suspect he's this intense about her all the time, um, and therefore this was very easy to to reenact on the camera. Um, the the only other thing I was looking at was Sean Mooney Sean Mooney done this one yes yeah Um, a little look about him Um, and he now is the announcer for NWA apparently
1: um, oh, he, oh, okay. He has done some bits and pieces on there, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently,
2: commented on All In as well. But I can't
1: remember. Sure, Mooney um, was backstage, I think, at All In. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think he's in an interviewer role. um I, yeah. I believe. Yeah, he said
2: in his time in WWF, he played his twin brother Ian and also his twin sister Betty.
1: What? <laughs> I don't know that at all. Yeah, apparently he
2: was um, I've, up as his twin sister Betty once.
1: So. I've just found another source for um choosing Texas buy rate one hundred forty thousand as well, which I. I do tend to believe. So, um, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I think we've solved, just like we solved the Montreal mystery, we've solved the bi mystery there as well. Um, So, while they blew this feud off on TV in January at Saturday night's main event, as mentioned, they actually worked house shows all the way through to the end of March with the final run, including 17 steel cage matches in arenas around the country, including Maple Leaf Gardens and the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Um, So, next up, we've got a tag team of old Mid-South favourites now. Ted DiBiase alongside the artist formerly known as Krusha Khrushchev, now playing the Repo Man against El Matador, Tito Santana and Virgil. Um, sensational show is on the outside in the corner of DiBiase following their joining force at the, yeah, that year's WrestleMania. Um, I thought the Repos, Repo Man's outfit was just plain weird. He had tyre tracks across a grey suit and a weird little Lone Ranger style mask that just covered the top of his face. What did you think of his attire here?
2: So... Just a weird fella.
1: Um, He's <laughs> he highly of you as well, Dan. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I love you know what? that one. You out. know what's really strange though? so he used to be Smash, right? Yeah. And they they sort of repackaged him. Yeah. Why? he was he, he appeared at
1: WrestleMania that year as in demolition. It's just ridiculous, yeah, so like, why isn't why
2: it? Repackage him as this character. Well, was I think his own character. Yeah, crushes. Whether they have yeah. a view of if you're not together, then we don't want you on your own.
1: I think so. Yeah. But yeah, what,
2: and then. Right, we're going to repackage you. You know, you're like you in essence, you are an absolute lunatic. We're going to make you, like, in essence, like a bailiff. <laughs> um, you know, because you're going to give
1: you're going to have someone whose gimmick is that he repossesses thing main event in WrestleMania, aren't you? It's just ridiculous. It is,
2: it is. however, you sort of touched upon it. Yeah, he might have been silly, but a little part party was proud. What I, I must admit, I was watching it going team mid-south.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm all about that, that now. Yeah, yeah.
2: I was literally like. Go on, go on, do it. I was hoping the commentators mentioned it.
3: Yeah. Oh uh, no, yeah, no, no. The no. <laughs> certainly doesn't mention no.
2: things, but yeah, I was. So I let, I let him off his attire because you know you sort of just like I was like a proud dad.
1: <laughs> I thought which, which,
2: just I- to clarify a very weird sum. Yes. Yeah. Who loves,
1: he loves basically, yeah, taking things. Um, I thought Tito looked like he was advancing in years a bit in this match. I need to look it up on Wikipedia and realize that he was in fact one year younger than I am now. And especially with my new, new, uh, tier four haircut looks considerably better than I do. Um, DiBiase had his working boots on in this one and looked really good in all of his exchanges. Um, I must be honest, I did struggle a little bit to get into this match, um, which was really only a bit of filler before getting onto the meat and bones of the main event, albeit I thought the action was largely you know, decent. Um, Heenan had some unsavoury lines about Santana, including calling him a jalapeno and Mr. Guacamole dip. Yeah. And also suggested that he may have tripped on the outside on a tortilla, which I just thought was bizarre. Like, I oh, thought Heenan, this wasn't funny. Yeah, well.
2: Tito Santana is, is, is from Texas.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought this was weird. Heenan <laughs> let himself down a bit with this stuff because it was, just wasn't, wasn't very funny. He but again, really of, the, bit, of the time.
2: And, yeah. And, and when he was saying it, it wasn't like Santana had done something, you know, was on top or had done something that he wanted to knock him back down. He was just sort of getting on with his business. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Really
1: fit the- I think this played better in a... Uh, you no, know I just think we're, if we, we hear stuff like this now and it's just like, this is just rubbish. But I do think that in 91, this was probably, you know, when different things, you know, you'd watch, you'd, I don't know, you watch an American Pie or something now and the stuff that we probably would have found funny when we were 16, we were like, oh, yeah. this is a bit... Now, um, anyway, the finish saw DiBiase hold Virgil for Sherry to use the shoe, but Virgil ducked and DiBiase got hit. Um, but Repo Man then need Virgil from behind and DiBiase pinned him anyway. So um, what are your thoughts on this match and your, your match messy, rating?
2: Very messy. Yeah. Um, the tag teams didn't flow. The tag teams didn't work. No. I got the logic of why DiBiase had sort of got a Repo Man, sort of got the link.
3: Yes. I don't yeah. know why
2: Virgil is knocking around with El Matador, the only person <laughs> who wants to be his mate. I don't know. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm never really impressed with Virgil. Um, just felt very messy. As I say, like, you know, DBS gets hit with the shoe and you're like, oh, hello. Yeah. And then, and then he just gets hit. Virgil just gets hit in the back with a knee. Yeah. And, then,
3: and that's, that's it. And yeah. I,
2: yeah. I wasn't massive. I found another lovely little fat, though. In oh, workout. go on. Tito Santana played tight end for West Texas State Buffaloes. Okay. His quarterback was Tully Blanchard.
3: Oh wow!
2: That is
1: that's incredible. Blow,
2: blow, blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and Tully Blanchard got him into wrestling.
3: Did he? That's great. That's really great.
1: That his, yeah.
2: What? Like just literally. I was. Um, the other thing I read was about how um, about Deviasi about how. Uh, he holds the record for the biggest gap between title reigns in WWF history.
1: Um, what type? What, ti- what titles? It in
2: 1993. Yeah. He no, not the same type. Ti- just titles. Okay. Like, yeah. So 1993, he was tag champions. Yeah. As Money Inc. And then apparently, this is again 2019, he bought the 24/7 championship from.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, he did,
2: yeah. And then he oh. lost it in the same night, um, <laughs> and therefore it is down as twenty-six years
1: between title reign
2: gap between title reigns. Yeah? Wow,
1: I'm, uh, I'm, I wouldn't even count the twenty-four-seven title, but it's fine. Let's just, it's, it's, it's that's a good, that's a facts. great fact,
2: great uh, fact. But yeah, I mean, yet again, just to clarify, the reason I know these facts is a testament to why I'm giving this match a skip. Okay, <laughs> I mean, Joe. You know what I was
1: right on Skip, but DBoss's bumps and performance, I think it it takes it to yeah, it. it was I, all right. I, I knew but he moved
2: it to it was all right purely because if you're listening to this podcast and you're a fan of Mid South, just yeah, DiBiase was then. great
1: in this, but yeah. you only want to watch it when he's in there. Um, so we cut backstage to Hogan, um, with, with Gene Oakland. I really didn't like the alternate yellow vests he would use around this time and later, and I d- I know why they did it to try and sell more merchandise, but it just makes me think of Hulk on the day swing of his initial wf run, you know like not the Hulk rules right. one this is like I don't know what it said now but it was like I think it said Hulk Hogan or something on it but yeah, I just think
2: very
1: merchandise back, yeah which
2: was clarified from the crowd worked
1: yeah it did work but whenever I see not his original I just think this is Hogan on the downward kind of downward yeah. run of his wf run, younger than I am now considerably younger than I am now um Hogan but that being said he I think what we forget uh, and people forget about Hogan is that from eighty four to really ninety, certainly, and then and then a bit less after that, but still a fairly heavy schedule. This guy was—he wasn't working long. He was working ten or eleven minutes a night, five or six nights a week, sometimes twice a day, dropping that leg, doing what he needed to do to keep his body in in shape. I mean, this guy was like, a bit like Michael Owen in football when he gets to 30. He's played so many games, his body's broke, everything that's possibly could hurt hurts, and that that's the difference here. He's not. This is not a, you know a regular. 36-year-old or whatever he was at the time. Um, so Hogan said that as far as he and the Hulkamaniacs go, this has this has to be the happiest day in the beautiful thing called Hulkamania. They had felt Undertaker stalk Hulkamania with a shot heard around the world after Tombstone on the Chair with the interference of Ric Flair. He said that the real survivors were the teeny Hulkamaniacs who still believed in the four demandments. And because of that, Jack Tunney booked the rematch. He warned Ric Flair to stay out of his business And he called himself the designated hitman for the Hulkamaniacs. And he said he guaranteed the WF will be right back where it should be. And Undertaker, what are you going to do when Hulk Hogan buries you right here in Texas? And then he goes, ha, ha, ha. So I thought it was quite odd. This was fine, but probably not vintage Hogan. What did you think of this promo? Ha, ha, ha.
3: Yeah, that
2: bit was a bit strange. I was trying to be a cowboy something. I don't know. Um, Massive focus on the tiny Hulksters.
3: Yeah,
1: teeny Teeny Hulkamaniacs. Tiny,
2: there was no just, it was a very child based promo. Yes. Um, but yeah, it wasn't one of his best ones. Um, but it's Hulk Hogan, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. You know, <laughs> when, when he opened, like, look, it cut to him. Gene Oakland speaking, and, and we're all waiting for, I'll tell you what, me and Gene. Right, yeah, like, yeah. That's it. I'm off. I'm off. I don't care. It doesn't matter what he says. I've lost. <laughs> um, as as I also am in uh when the music hits which I'm sure you'll come to which I was absolutely devastated because his music hits and he runs he decides to run into the ring which I was like no don't do that
3: yeah yeah That's yeah I go I'm cut
2: short here yeah. I haven't even done one hand I haven't cut my ear yet Um, so yeah anyway sorry
1: (laughs) no that's quite right. so the champion was out first here something I would never ever 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 do if I was in charge of wrestling promotion I don't care if the challenge is Steve Austin Hulk Hogan on the rock Mm -hmm. it's a big no-no for me I think you can you can get the big pop and then you know it would work of course Hogan coming out here first
2: that's your, that's your right
1: it would have blown the roof off this place and you had the undertaker coming out and all the like, whatever I shouldn't have done it this way. But anyway, Monsoon suggested on commentary, it could be one of the shortest reigns in WF history. He also said, what a kisser on Paul Bearer. And um, I felt gorilla was foreshadowing a Hogan win a little bit too much here, rather than really putting over how tough a challenge this was, um, which Heenan did a better job of. Um, Super reaction still for Hogan on this night in San Antonio, and I found myself tapping my foot to the music as I was making notes on this. Um, there was a rare rip of the T-shirt in the aisleway, and Hogan is all business. He runs down, but gets attacked as soon as he gets in the ring by both Taker and Barrow. which should have been a DQ. Imagine that. They'd call a DQ in seven seconds, the title <laughs> <Yeah>. match. <laughs> what well, i finish finished, that would have been. Um, Gorilla, you know, you mute- know what?
2: When that happened, part of I me mean was like, is that going to be a DQ? <laughs> that why this show was viewed as a flop? Yeah. I've watched all of this
1: and I'm going to get <coughs> that uh, That's it.
2: Seven-second DQ. Mugs,
1: it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, rematch at the Royal Rumble. Um, Gorilla complained that Jack Tunney said he would be down there, but wasn't at the start, albeit they finally showed him sitting at ringside. Um, Heenan on commentary said that Hulkamania was going to be buried tonight and what a lousy place to be buried in Texas. A uh, comment a few of our Oklahoma listeners probably would have enjoyed. Um, Heenan also said that Taker should have had at least a month to relax after winning the title. Go to a few funerals, bury a few people, and you know, relax. Brilliant from from healing again. And um, so we cut into Uncle Dave Meltzer for his uh, his interesting review of this match. So from the sixteenth of December, ninety-one Observer, long choke holds, a two-minute claw hold, and poor timing, particularly of Hogan's offense. Undertaker did a few things he didn't do the previous week, but Hogan has very little left except his charisma. Ric Flair came to ringside during the Superman comeback, and Hogan hit him with a chair while Flair fell into Jack Tunney. As Flair got back on the apron, Hogan clotheslined him, then when Paul bearer tried to interfere with the urn, Hogan ducked, so Undertaker was hit. Hogan then got the urn, threw the ashton to Undertaker's eyes and schoolboyed him for the win in 1309 as Jack Tunney watched, um, but it was then announced Hulk Hogan was as a new champion and posed. Um And he gave it a star and a half for the match. Um, The claw spot was awful, but I thought this was slightly better than Uncle Dave. And I really liked the excellently executed finish, which the crowd came unglued for. Hogan celebrating the show went off the air with Gorilla Monsoon, the greatest athlete the world has ever seen has prevailed. What did you think of this main event?
2: I think that's quite a harsh rating there. Um, Yeah, what a kisser on Paul Bearer was a well-strange thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, um, Yeah... Again, this is what I was going to mention earlier. There was a there was a couple of times where Bear holds the urn up to control Undertaker. Yeah. Um, there was one at the end where I think he does it to sort of calm him down, and yeah, there's a few times in the match. I remember as a, I watched. I was going, "Oh, that is so bad." I know for a fact that when I was a kid, I thought that was like, "Oh, that boy, that urn, that." That guy, he's supernatural. Like he's got I, I think it did work for me when I was a kid. Yeah. And now I was like, I mean, who's in the urn? Whose ashes are they? Uh,
1: I don't think that's ever been, been established go actually. Now,
2: all it talks about is when Undertaker brought the urn out after Bearer's death, claiming that he brought the ash his Bearer's
3: death. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: There's nothing about who and just to clarify with that, he was using the urn later on to control the Undertaker. I think you are find the ashes were all over the ring.
3: Yeah, I yeah. Think,
2: again, I'm overlooking this, but you know, is it the urn controlling him or the person in it? Because the person in it was all over his face because um, he threw the ashes. Yeah, in I, the don't know, past. I don't know.
1: Pass. I don't. Yeah, that is a good, good question. But the, probably the WF um, writers at the time probably didn't think, or creative people didn't think enough about Actually, that. I suppose. Yeah, Dan Phillips would be. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Great. And um, yeah. Uh, they also mentioned Undertaker's Grim Reaper Tattoo, which was quite so, like, so cliche, but quite liked. Um, I also found myself, when he got up onto the rope, going, old school, and then thinking, this is just school. <laughs> this ain't old school. This is, this is primary school. school, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, he's at school right now, yeah. this is the school. Um, Heenan talking about how he could smell flowers like a funeral home. Oh, Brilliant. God, yeah. He's like, can't you smell that? It's so a smell of flowers, just like a funeral home. Wow. I love that. Um, as you say, the I'm thinking there's chokeslam's coming, and he smothers him, and then you know, you, and then the the Hulkins in come in. I mean, I quite liked in this that they are both wrestlers that have that bounce back thing. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, Hogan has the you know Hawkins and Undertaker has the sitting up the knee. I just thought it was quite a good. He did do it once, Undertaker, but it wasn't really sort of focused on like it would have been two, three, four years later. Um, Again, he went up He went to go old school twice. You don't go. In essence, you don't go. To, you don't go school twice. Open flips him off. You know what's coming. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess for me, the ref was trying to explain to Tunney at the end what had happened. I mean, I didn't really. They seemed to be focusing on on that. And from what I understand, there is a. Is there another match because they view this as, or do they take the belt away? <coughs> they view it that this was, these two matches are a bit of a, a write-off or something. Yeah,
1: okay. so what, what happens is um, that they strip Hogan of the title and then they put it up for grabs. In the, so it's vacant, oh, they put it up for Royal grabs Rumble. in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's, that's it, right, yeah. which Ric Flair is, obviously, well, well, why, I should, perhaps I shouldn't spoil that.
2: Is that why they're keeping Ric Flair sort of, because I didn't really understand why he was rocking up.
1: So around this time, and this is probably in the Observer that I haven't... I've read quite a lot of the old ones, and I I don't know the exact timeline of this. But um, around this time... um, Basically, the, the 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 steroid stuff was about to come a huge scandal, and they, that, that's why Hogan really went away for from from WrestleMania eight to just before WrestleMania nine. Um, so because he didn't, he you know did, wasn't going to be associated with the company when it all came out, even though the, the the actual trial that Vince McMahon was on for distributing steroids was much later in ninety four. Um, so. I think the original plan was always to do Hogan and Ric Flair at WrestleMania eight for the title. And that was announced after Flair won the title at Royal Rumble, but then it was changed. Um, and there's lots of conjecture over that. And I don't think you can ever get a straight answer. Some of it was, they thought that, that cause Hogan and Flair did a house show run at this time. Funny enough, the superstars episode that I watched some of to, um, cut the adverts out was advertising rick flair versus hulk hogan at madison square garden okay. Um, so they did they did a house show run that they reckon didn't do very well at the box office but there's lots lots of moving parts going on around this time so there's probably some truth in all of it do i think that if hogan had been staying and the steroid thing was wasn't a thing that they'd have done rick flair and hogan at wrestlemania yeah absolutely because no, no one's telling me that um what they did do which is flair and savage and hogan and justice was was more than no flair no. and Hogan, even in 92, so yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, because I was because they sort of focused a lot on the ref explaining to Tony what had happened, but I was a bit like, well, the ref couldn't have seen what happened because he would have,
3: yeah, exactly, yeah,
2: that. but I guess big thing for me was the title change, which going back to what we said earlier, six day title change, don't really yep. get that now, don't get that now, so actually, I wasn't expecting it. and the best thing about it was got to get my uh, cut my ears and everything and do my
3: yeah the big celebration pages. at the end yeah i got
2: to get them in because he didn't do as long as he normally does but he still did a couple of uh, he done a couple of minutes of uh, giving it large in the ring. so uh yeah it was i, th- I thought it, i thought i thought it was all right I, I, it's a tough one because it's it's two big stars and i think like i mentioned Quite a few podcasts ago, that when I done my, actually it was when I done my WrestleMania thing, I always thought to myself, I wouldn't have been good to have had Devon to at WrestleMania, um, and having watched that, maybe it hyped it in my head, but I also understand why I don't think name Undertaker Hogan would have worked at WrestleMania. there's it, just a bit of a clash of clash of styles, I think, and I just don't think it. I just don't think them to gel very. I don't think they gel very well. You yeah, I,
3: I would agree. Yeah,
1: they are
2: would... just so different. It just, it just didn't quite click, and so I was a bit disappointed. But actually, when I think about their styles and stuff, there is something don't quite. So, I mean, I put it down as a recommend because of who's involved, and you've got you've got your Hogan, you've got your Undertaker, you've got your involvement from in Flair. I thought the ending was quite good, hoping you know, I was able to, you know, get get a chair shot into Flair, get a bit of action on bare air and you know, all of that. Um, so I'd put it as a recommend. Um, but I think more to do with you know, if that was two mid card wrestlers that fought that exact same match, I wouldn't have put it as a recommend if that makes sense.
3: Yeah,
1: I know recommend
2: I... because of who's involved for me. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I I completely get what you're saying there. I mean, I I think that um, this was this was this was fine. Um, I think with regards to the Undertaker and Hulk Hogan thing at WrestleMania, they uh, the thing with the Undertaker is that by the following year's WrestleMania, they turned him face. And, and again, it's interesting that you know he he feuded with Jake Roberts after. After Randy Savage, and that's where he was going because Undertaker actually saved Savage from a backstage attack at the at the Saturday Night's Main Event show that was was only in the New Year. So I don't know I don't know quite what it was. I don't know where the Undertaker was getting um, cheers. I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but you know there was something that made them decide that you know this 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 character needs to go needs to go you know needs to go face basically um going forward so um yeah i don't know a bit but a lot of odd i think and obviously uh, as well jake roberts was out of the promotion after wrestlemania as well so it's there's a lot it's just a lot of odd stuff going on in 92 with you know drug problems and various things and steroids and and stuff going on i must say though i did like the the short format of the show um perhaps one too many filler matches because they could have done i'm sure they could have done something in there that was more worthwhile but it is worth a watch for the Savage and Robert stuff and a title change at the end, obviously, for the history. Um, I'm going 5.75 out of 10 for this uh, Tuesday in Texas show. What, what would you give this one out of 10?
2: Yeah, I've, I've put six. Um, and yeah, I, but if you don't watch anything else and you just think, oh, you know, them to have made it sound semi-interesting, please do watch the Robert's Savage stuff. Yeah. If you don't watch anything else just you know what just to see what a promo done well looks like
1: yeah do do watch that because that is um you know that that pro those promos from roberts are just you know phenomenally good so yeah do do go out of your way to watch those um so that is it for the first part of this podcast and that is it for this month in wrestling history december and it's my pick for january and i haven't actually shared this with you as of yet have i uh, Dan so instead of going for an, the obvious one in terms of an old Royal Rumble which you think you know come on let's do an old Royal Rumble I'm actually opting for the show that caused the WWF to pop the 1988 Royal Rumble on USA Network yes it's NWA's Bunkhouse Stampede from oh. Nassau Coliseum in Union New York, from January the 24th, 1988, a show I've never actually seen. Wow, here we go. So, yeah, we, we're, we're, uh, and also it's, I think it's under two and a half hours as well, which has become a, um, yeah, become a thing that I consider quite a lot when it comes to these, uh, these shows. It's just the note, I love watching the shows, but the note taking is, uh, is, is, yeah. is, uh, is hard work. So, um, we're going to hit, hit a pause for momentarily and we'll be back for, uh, me being brutalized with trivia quiz questions I, I expect is coming host up so yeah host in
2: town after the break
1: so we'll be back very shortly right Dan over to you to explain the rules of this uh, surprise new year's quiz
2: so yes yeah, so this is my end of year quiz uh, I understand this show's going out on new year's eve um, I know for those in the in the UK you're not going out on New Year's Eve because you're not allowed. So you
1: might be, breaking all the rules, but let's hope you're not. Stay at home!
2: So, um, you know, you can do this on New Year's Eve or any time. But what it is, is it's a, in essence, a a review of the year in quiz format, month by month. However, Steve is going to be asked a question about January 2020 in wrestling. And a question about January 1984 in mid-south wrestling. Okay. There are obviously 12 questions for each year. So 24 questions total. Whether each year for 2020 and for 1984, the available marks are 17 for each year. So I thought, therefore, we can work out for Steve and maybe anyone playing along. What year do you know more about? Do you know more about 1984 Mid-South, or do you know more about 2020? You know, are you living in the past or you're in the future?
1: Probably um, neither.
2: Uh, yeah, so got that, and then at the end we've got for those that listen to another football based podcast, or for those that don't, it's just a we've got a, a little, um, a little, a little uh, quiz at the end where there are, in fact, in this one, 12 correct answers, and uh, you've got to see how many you can get. Um, and Steve has one life. Um, bit more difficult to play along. See if it goes out early doors, then uh, you'll never know how well you would have done. But you can join in on the quiz. I, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to go. I'm going to do January 2020 and then January 1984. And we'll go along like that. So feel very nervous. But please, everyone, join in and uh, let's give it a whirl.
3: Go ahead. That's great. So
2: question number one, January 2020. New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yep. was Wrestle Kingdom 14. Yes. This was the first Tokyo Dome show to do what?
1: Um, well, there's, there's a f- well, the first Tokyo Dome show to, to be over two days, if we're going with that.
2: Correct.
1: Right, okay. He's
2: automatically um, in.
1: It would, been, it would have been awkward if I got that wrong, as I was there. But, Correct. Um, I thought yes. I'd start and yeah. nail you
2: in early doors. Thank you. So that's you. one point for 2020 there. Right. 1984, January 1984 covered episodes, I went for this, 226 to 229 on YouTube, Um, and it saw the debut of which, to Mid-South, of which star?
3: Crikey,
1: so in January 1984, which star?
2: Arrived on Mid-South. Terry Taylor? Correct. Yes. He beat Doug Vines. Yes. One minute. In classic uh, Steve Starr, he'd beat Doug Vines in one minute forty-one.
1: And they had a yeah. uh, a video package of him with freeze frame. I think they used for well him. Done. Yeah.
2: Okay. Just to clarify as well for for those interested in this, if there is any Stuart inquiries, I have my reference pages up in front of me, so right. uh, I'm ready to <laughs> check and, and fact check as we as you see fit. Um, okay, on to February. So we're on, it's a good start. February twenty twenty. WWE Super Showdown, Ugh. bit like twenty twenty, and you'll see a lot of these questions. There was a, it was a year of firsts because it had to be. Super Showdown was the first to feature what?
1: Um, first
2: Super Showdown to feature what?
1: Um, uh, was it a universal title change?
2: Incorrect, I'm afraid. Uh, it was uh, defense. It was a defense of a women's title.
1: Ah, of course it was. Yeah, okay. That's a, that's a really good question, actually. Bailey
2: defeated Naomi. Yes, yeah. Brand. Okay, nineteen eighty four
3: episodes two thirty 230
2: to two thirty five. Now this is your this is your multiple uh, points question. Okay. Nineteen eighty four, February nineteen eighty four featured five first round TV title matches. Yep. Can you name me the five winners?
1: Kosha Khrushchev.
2: Correct.
1: Terry Taylor.
2: Correct.
1: Oh. Um, Kosha Khrushchev, Terry Taylor. Steve Williams? Incorrect. Okay.
2: Uh, do I, is that am I out now? You've is got it, two more. You can have five guesses.
1: Okay, five guesses. Uh Kasia Khrushchev, Terry Taylor. Magnum TA. Incorrect. Ugh. Oh, uh, Mr. Resting 2
2: incorrect
1: oh wow
2: and you're three and incorrects we're not even participants in the tournament brilliant <laughs> so terry taylor defeated buddy landau
3: yep oh okay yeah
2: chef oh tell a lie did you say magnum ta sorry yes yeah sorry tell a lie crusher Crushef defeated magnum ta oh,
3: okay yeah
2: all right ito
3: oh
1: masai ito yep
2: defeated
1: um don't know poffo Oh, Lanny Poffo, crikey! Yeah. You know, blasting the past there, yeah.
2: Junkyard Dog.
1: Oh, of course.
2: Defeated Volkov. Mm. And Butch. I was going to say
1: Volkov, but I thought he he left by that point. But obviously not. Yeah, Butch Reed
2: defeated Jim Neidhart. That
1: him. was pathetic. I
2: thought. Uh, pathetic. See, oh, you started so well. I was like, here we go. Yeah,
3: I know.
2: Right. So the next one. Um, now nah, let me get this right because I had a slight. You
1: know, can I just say to everyone, I didn't know what the topics were going to be and I didn't oh, know it's yeah, a no, quiz at all until it, today, yeah, so Nick, I've not Nick, done any revision. Out. Yeah, I've not done any revision, just getting that in to be a
2: proper test
1: when I don't get another mark for the whole quiz.
2: No, right? Uh, now, interestingly, actually, when I was doing my research, um, in this quiz, um, my next, my next one, um, my next question was going to be about WrestleMania, all right. Because it comes up when you do your reads. WrestleMania was filmed in March.
3: Ah, okay. Uh,
2: but aired in April. Mm. But what I've done is I've, I've adjusted it for, you know, when, 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 they, when they were released for us. So for March 2020, the 24 7 championship, which as we heard in the start of this podcast, you do not view as a proper championship, was changed hands online. And by that, I mean it. The, the, the changing of the belt was not shown on a Raw or SmackDown show. It was shown on social media. Okay. Um, in that, uh, Riddick Riddick Moss, is that right? Is yeah, that jogging? So. Yep. And a ref pulls up in a car. Who jumps out of the trunk and rolls him up for the pin to win the belt? Is it Drake Maverick? Incorrect, it's
1: uh, our truth, our truth. Of course, it is. I thought that was around the time that Drake Ma- Drake Maverick was doing stuff, but yeah, it's always our truth with that bell. Okay, that was pathetic. So, sorry, listeners, right. really bad.
2: Okay, March 1984, episodes 236, 239.
1: I'm feeling quite nervous now, with good reason.
2: In March 84, we saw a very rare defeat for the Rock and Roll Express. In fact, they only lost two. Matches on Mid South episodes. Hmm. This was their first defeat. Who was it against?
1: Um, I mean, oh, it must. Was it the Midnight Express?
2: Incorrect. Oh. Buddy Landau and Butch Reid. Oh. Now, I didn't state who the second defeat was because I thought it might be a bit too fresh in the memory. Do you know who the second one was? Uh, that happened in December.
1: Oh, um, was it DiBiase and uh,
2: Hercules? Correct. Yeah. No points, but yeah. <laughs> um, right. Oh, no. April 20. WWE. I've got to go to WrestleMania 36, haven't I? This was the first WrestleMania. Now, we know it was behind closed doors, etc, etc. But what was it, the first WrestleMania to feature on its card?
1: Uh, a cinematic
2: match? For that. To be honest, that could be right. <laughs> so that's not what I've got, unfortunately. So I'll let you have another go. Uh,
1: the first WrestleMania to feature... first, So the question is, the first WrestleMania to feature what on its card?
2: Yeah, on its card. I'll get, uh, do you know what? Because, because, again, thinking about it, there probably was a lot of things given the time. It was the first WrestleMania to feature which championship on its card?
1: Okay. The first WrestleMania to feature which championship on its card? Um Okay. So, NXT Championship?
2: Correct. Yes. Fact, it was the first WrestleMania to feature NXT, NXT Women's Championship,
1: shot. it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah and it's the first yeah.
2: WrestleMania to feature NXT at all.
1: Yes. Yes. Well done. Kiss my face, as Anna Partridge would say.
2: Right, here we go. This, right, so this one here, 1984, episodes 240 to 243. During the month of April, we saw. Two new title holders. Okay. Who were they? To give you a clue on this, there was a new TV champion and a new tag champion in that month.
1: So I think uh, the TV champion was Krusha Khrushchev. Correct. Um, And I think the um, tag team champions were... It must have been the Midnights, I think. Midnight Express?
2: Oh, it's gone for the wrong Express. Ah, oh, Rock
1: and Roll Express. Okay. Damn you. All
2: right. Now we move on to May. Okay. 2020. AEW's in the mix now. Yeah. Double or nothing. AEW pay-per-view. This is a tough one. I'll give you this. This is hard. Chris Jericho mentioned that the Stadium Stampede match started on the 22nd of May, and ended on the 23rd of May. Yep. How many hours did they rec- take to record that match? Was it six. Theory, ha- 12.
1: 12 hours. They oh. recorded
2: that for 12 hours. That's
1: mad. Yeah. That's, incredible. I just, thought,
2: that's just a great bit of stats, that, isn't it?
1: It's very good as well. Probably not a lot of people's cup of tea, but I, and i not actually usually mine, but I did
3: enjoy it. It was very entertaining. Uh,
2: 1984, uh, episodes 244 to 247. The Midnight Express beat the Rock and Roll Express in a titles versus how many dollars match?
1: Ah, oh, it's gonna be. It's, is it? Is it twenty five thousand? Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. Oh. He's kicking himself
2: there for anyone that can. I so can see his face there. He's,
1: um. This is. This is. Poor, this is. Is really poor. Really poor. Just gonna show my memory is. Uh, is going going as fast as my hairline.
2: Right. Uh June now. Yep. June now. Um we've got WWE featured in NXT in your house. This was the first in your house branded event since when? The first
1: in your house branded event since so when was since. so in essence
2: when was the in your ha- the last in your house? What year?
1: Um so I'll I th- give
2: you a bonus if you can name, name it you know, the in your house has often had a
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think, um, I think the answer is 1998. Um, and I think that it was no way out 1998, no
2: way out in your house, St. Valentine's Day massacre. 1999, 99. oh no, it was just a, a year later. So all those events during '98 were in your house. Oh,
1: okay. dog pee. So, nineteen
2: eighty-four, episodes two four eight to two five one. During during that month, during the month of June, who did Mister Wrestling Two defeat? Then team with the following week later to to defeat the Midnight Express. So, so he beat this. He, so he beat this individual, and then a week later he teamed with him, and they beat the Midnight Express.
1: Um. Oh, in June, June 84? Yep. Um, I remember this angle as well. Um,
2: Just to so- clarify for anyone that knows Steve, him, him saying that in June 84, that's him questioning me. Uh, no, no, no! I wasn't questioning. Those, I just was not, trying no, to. Think. I now double checking because he's generally right.
1: No, I was just like, just just pausing <laughs> for time. I was just thinking was whether it was, <laughs> this this was part this was post his full on heel turn and he was moaning about his um his uh his it was it was it was Hercules in under a mask, Mr Wrestling. He became Mr Wrestling, and Hercules T- was Mr Wrestling Jay too. Jay Youngblood. oh okay. Could
2: you have got that in a million years? Doesn't
1: it like? No, you? I wouldn't have done. Brilliant. I'm
2: guessing Jay Youngblood wasn't around for very long.
1: Jay Youngblood was in um, Crockett and he was tag team champion with um, um, with Ricky Stenbach. but I think uh, he died quite young, unfortunately.
2: Right into July. Um, also, just checking my notes, uh, which it wasn't a bonus point for the for the NXT in your house. That was actually a two pointer. So, oh great! I can't that
1: believe that. Of course, actually, yeah.
2: He thought he got maybe he lost one point and missed out on a bonus. He's lost two. Just for those playing at home. Right. (laughs) July 2020. We're going here for impact. Llammiversary 18. Who won the five-way main event to become the new champion? Rich Swann? Eddie Edwards. Oh, my God.
1: 1984.
3: Episodes 252 to
2: 255. (laughs) The Pretty Young Things won three out of four matches in July. But one point, I need to know who they who the Pretty Young Things
1: won. Oh, Norvell, Austin, Coco Beware. There we go. Boom. Correct. Excellent. I was hoping to get half right, and I'm not going to get that. So uh, unless it's a serious. severe uptake in a uh, in, right. in, uh, skill at the end well, here.
2: We never, well, you've got to remember, I would say one thing. I sort of make them a bit... Because obviously later on in the years should be even fresher in the mind. So oh, so they're
1: even harder, but brilliant, great.
2: Maybe right, August, AW. Yeah, it was their tag team appreciation night. Okay, 20, August twenty twenty. But who won the main event?
3: Ugh!
1: What was the main event? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Young Bucks.
2: Incorrect. The reason I mentioned that was a tag team appreciation night. And that was one of their many angles where they're trying to, uh, they're trying to push Mr. Orange Cassidy.
3: Oh, okay.
2: Who on that night beat Chris Jericho?
3: Oh,
1: right, with the terrible roll up. Okay, yeah. So yeah.
2: that's why I thought it might stand out. It's just that's in there, and don't know why I put it in there because that is one of probably my. We mentioned last podcast our so highlights of twenty twenty. That would be one of my... One of my lowlights. Biggest lowlights, low yeah. Um, don't know why I've done it. I'm getting annoyed now. Anyway, let's <laughs> carry on. 1984, <laughs> let's go back. Uh, episodes 256, 261. Jim Duggan defeated Chef in what special match? Uh, was it a... Oh.
1: Was it a coal miners' glove match?
2: I cannot believe you have not got that.
1: Is that a flag match?
2: Flag match? Flag versus...
1: Oh, flag versus hair?
2: Correct. Eventually, oh. no points. Flag versus hair match. I can't believe you've not got that. September is
1: 2020,
2: NXT Super Tuesday. <coughs> and, Excuse me. Um, now, this is a multi-answer question. So at the NXT Super Tuesday, there was a fatal four-way Iron Man match. Okay, yeah. Competitors were Finn Balor, yep. Adam Cole, yep. Johnny Gargano, Gargano sorry, yep. and Tommaso Champa. How many points did each of them score?
1: Um, so how many well, it was Well, it was a draw between Adam Cole and Finn Balor, wasn't it, in the end? Correct. So I think that... Um, I think... Joe, I'm not going to get this. It was either you've got to put
2: this way, put this way. If I was you, you know, for those at home, if you guess the number for Baller and I say yes or no, you know what Cole's number is.
1: Okay, so um, was Baller three? Incorrect. Two. Two for who? We saying here? Uh, Adam Cole. Correct. So it was two and two for Baller and Cole, and one and one for the other two. I think. Correct. Correct. Okay. So three points.
2: Excellent. 984, 262, 265. There were two TV title matches. As we know, the main man Adrian, he won. Yeah. won the belt. Too easy. I can't be having an answer with him in it. because <laughs> uh, people listening can't see my face, but I can't mention the guy's name about it a little smile. Who was his first defence against? Uh, was it Bill Dundee? Incorrect.
3: Oh,
1: it was Hercules
2: Hernandez really
1: and Bizarre.
2: I for the life of me could not remember that no and I'm going I was going down to- do you know what it's the first time I've really used to put this together and for those of you that I know Steve picks it up a lot but Cage Cage matched on there mm. which is just do you know what you could spend a whole night on this yeah you could I yeah. mean I was literally in absolute like what's going on here what's here what's here what's it? what's here, what's here? Um, so yeah there we go do you know what? I think I've just answered you that question wrong. I'm ever so sorry. I've, I've, got, I, I've got it wrong, Stuart's inquiry. Terry Taylor should I visit oh, it, it okay. once in that month, and he defended it first against Hercules and Andes. I sort of feel you wouldn't get it, but I sort of feel because I made a mistake. I need to add a bonus question in to make. Part oh, all right, of that. fine, fine. The no question problem. should have been for those at home, but it's irrelevant. Asking me, I'd say it should have been just because I'm still into. I make my notes by hand. Um, who was Terry Taylor's first TV title match in that month against. And that was actually and Slanders. So, Taylor back. So, looking at September, let's have a little look, shall we? This is pure off the cuff, everybody. Um, this is pure, pure off the cuff. I'm going to have a little quick look here. Right. Tell you what I'm going for. See it already. Hang on. Let's just double check. Get my facts right this time. Right, in September 1984, the Midnight Express had two tag team title defeats on the bounce, two weeks running, against the same opponents. Who were they?
1: So so what, these, were, these were title matches?
2: These were non-title matches.
1: Okay, and they lost the same opponents twice? Two weeks running. Was it the Fantastics?
2: It was not. It was Brinkhouse-Brown.
1: Oh, Master G. G. Uh.
2: He's had a mare. I gave him the chance to save himself. Mm. Right. October. I promise you all no, I'm going to really read my notes now. 2020. NXT Halloween Havoc. I've noticed that I've got a lot of NXT in here, but I don't... I, I do barely know I
3: can...
1: barely watched any NXT during the pandemic era, but it's all, it's all right. It's all right. However, <laughs>
2: however, however, however. NXT it was Halloween Havoc. This was the first Halloween havoc since 2000. In that Halloween havoc, the main event was Goldberg, and he defeated in a two on one handicap match, Chronic. Yeah. The question is who were the two members of Chronic?
1: Um, Brian Adams and. Uh, Brian Adams and who? Um, I think his name is Brian as well. Uh, Form, artist formerly known as Adam Bomb. I can't think of the other guy's name. What was the other guy's name?
2: Brian Clark.
1: Brian Clark, yeah. Yeah. One point there. 984,
2: episodes 266 to 269. Here we go. Adrian Street's first defence was against a fellow Brit.
1: Oh, Chris Adams.
2: Correct. Yes. Gosh, we're back in. Two Adrian just three quicks, two agent street mentions. I'm done. No, right. November. <laughs> November 2020, it's WWE Survivor Series. There was a retirement of The Undertaker, apparently. How many times do you know when they say an X time? Yep. How many times do they say The Undertaker was heavyweight champion?
1: How many times was The Undertaker heavyweight champion in his yeah. career? Okay, so I'm going to just go through this. Um, so. And he won- I'll do
2: here just quickly for you because I was very nervous about putting this one down because I thought this has got you or Mark or Stuart eating me alive if I get this wrong. So I've, uh, <laughs> I've got everything up in front of me, but you go through them and then... We'll, we'll, uh
1: So his first title, he beat Hogan for title at Survivor Series 90. Um Sorry, 91. So I was just 91. That was his first one. So, and then he beat... um Sid Justice, just, just Psycho...
2: just if this helps, and, uh, and uh, I don't mind helping. This this goes across the WWF E Championship, yeah, and the World Heavyweight, yeah, yeah, yeah. fine. Okay. Just um,
1: right. so he beat that's why I'm going to struggle. So he beat um, Psycho Sid for the title of WrestleMania um, 13, so that's two. Um, then the next one, I don't think he held the title until he beat um. I think the next one was Steve Austin at over the edge ninety nine, so that's three, I believe. Um, and then after that, it starts becoming quite difficult. So I know that he um, he beat Edge Edge at WrestleMania 20, 24. I don't know if he had had the title in between those two times, so that would be four think he must have had it to and from with CM Punk. Maybe, maybe not from CM Punk, but he certainly mm, don't know. So I think that's five. I think, just trying to think if there's anything later that, um, where he had it. So can't think of him having the title late in his career at all. He beat Batista for it at WrestleMania. Um, I went, uh, I've got some of the some of the numbers here mixed up. Sorry, he beat he beat Edge for it, it in the Florida one. I can't, well, it was twenty four, wasn't it? And the Batista one was was WrestleMania twenty three. I'm going six.
2: Oh, I feel terrible. Seven. Uh, now I've, I've 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 got I've gone and got it up here. So, cool. WWE title uh, November the twenty seventh, ninety one Survivor yep. Series, which we sort of just covered. And um, the next on the list. States WrestleMania thirteen, yep, uh, against Psycho Sid. Then I have Over the Edge,
1: yeah, ninety nine
2: um, against Stone Cold. And then I think the last time he won, he won this one four times, from my understand uh, Judgment Day. Don't know who that was against. That's It said Judgment Day two thousand and two. Um, now it oh, says- I've missed. I've
1: missed one here. Okay, yeah, he um. He he uh, he beat Triple H for that and then lost it to Hogan, didn't he? Uh, it, no, well, beat, no, it no it beat, Hogan. beat Hogan. He, he beat, beat Hogan. Hogan. Beat I, H- I missed that one out. Yeah, that's the one I didn't get. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, I didn't get that and I, one. And it's yeah. By the
2: sounds of it, I just you know just to, just for clarity, um, we'll just go to the the other ones just so people confirm if you were talking rubbish or not, uh, <laughs> which I know you weren't, but you know, let's, let's be fair. So I think so he won the, the world t- heavyweight championship three times. Yeah. Um, and we've got here. That was April the first, two thousand and seven, WrestleMania twenty-three. Yeah, against David yep Edge, two thousand and eight. Yeah. Yep, yep. And finally, head in a Cell, CM Punk. Yeah, there we go. I missed the Hogan okay. one. Okay, so lucky though. Very valiant effort that one. No points for effort. <laughs> right. So nineteen eighty-four. <1984. laughs> Episodes two seventy 270 to two seventy three. Yep. Which debuting ta- tag team won all four matches in November
1: nineteen
2: eighty four? Um. I I say all four because obviously yeah you got four four weeks they won they were on each show and they won all four every so show l- first month.
1: Was it charvon Hector Guerrero? Correct. Yes. Who've uh, they they want it a lot, actually? Don't they? I'm surprised they won every show in November, but yeah, they actually thinking about it, they've been quite heavily pushed, so not a surprise.
2: So, December 2020, AEW winter is coming. Yeah. Sting's first appearance on TNT in how many years?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, his last one was March 2001, so um. Yeah, nearly, nearly 20 years. So 19 years, basically. Correct. 19 years, and it was years. the last
2: years. ever Nitro. Well done. Yep. Do I get an extra
1: and point if I tell you who he wrestled in the last Nitro?
2: Definitely not, but you can okay. do it for everyone else. <laughs> it
1: though. was Rick, Rick Flair. He wore a t-shirt <laughs> uh,
2: 1984, episodes two seven four two seven seven. During this month, Ted DiBiase defeated Shawn Michaels. Yep. 25 years later, Shawn Michaels had a one-on-one match with Ted Jr. on Raw. What was the outcome?
3: I
1: think Ted Jr. probably won, didn't he?
2: Incorrect.
1: Ah. Oh.
2: Shawn Michaels won by disqualification. Oh,
3: wow. Okay.
2: So, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. I will now just count the scores up. Um, I'm going to pretend Steve's not going to pause this, but and so you will think, I've said it now, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I will, through the magic of production, count these up in a matter of seconds. So just like that, uh, I've done the counting um, and there were 17 points available for each year and Steve has scored seven for 2020 and seven for 1984. Wow. So we could say this fella knows each year equally as well or equally not as well. Um, 41%, I admit, wow. I thought, I, to be honest, I thought, given I sprang that on you, that was a very fair show, and let's also be honest. That was 2020 across brands, of which I know you're not watching every single one. I'm watching hot, <laughs> almost know, nothing, really. Yeah, and I know, you know, we are watching Mid South on a weekly basis, but I am still questioning you on an on a show from 1984. Mm. I think that was a valiant attempt. Thanks. I haven't got a, I haven't got a tiebreaker figure, because so that wasn't really the point of this. Uh, <laughs> and do you know what? The irony of it was, I said that it's you versus you, and there's likelihood that you'll probably win. You haven't even done that. You've drawn. <laughs> you not even beat yourself. And I couldn't that's, not beat either, that's not a sentence he's heard many times
3: before. No, so, no, yeah.
2: So we now have just a quick um, just a quick uh, little game at the end here. Um, it's a it, it's called uh, 98 984 2020 1 to 12. Okay. Um, so just a little bit of background, I mentioned before, there's other there's another podcast for podcast. That does a one to eleven, where in essence it picks a, a football match, in that and, and someone's got to name the eleven players that played for both sides in that match, and they get one life. Um, we are doing in nine, across 1984 and 2020. If we take what, and I don't want any abuse here, but what we're going to consider certain promotions' main belts. So WWE has two: yeah, heavyweight and the universal.
1: So hold on, what are
2: we doing? We're doing... Okay, I'll get there.
3: Oh,
1: sorry, go on. So, the uni-
2: go on. so heavyweight universal belts. Yep. AEW championship. Yep. The IWGP heavyweight. Yep. And the Mid-South North American title. Okay. During 1984 and 2020, there were 12 title changes.
1: Okay, so North American, let me write this down. So North American... Uh, so that's the only one from 84. Oh, oh you, you couldn't WWF in, the, in 84?
2: No, 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 no. Mid-South, North Mid-South in 84, 84 yeah. And then 2020. Yeah. WWE Heavyweight. Yeah. WWE Universal. AEW Championship. IWGP Heavyweight. There was 12 title changes. I want to know who...
1: Held the titles. Held
2: the title. So to okay. clarify, if you come into the year with the belt... Yeah. You may be an answer. But you may not be an answer, if that makes sense. I'll uh, give you a clue. if you come into the year holding the belt, yeah, and you didn't win it again that year, you're not an answer.
1: So you have to have won the belt. You in... won the
2: belt in 1984.
1: Right. 30. Okay. So Okada is not an answer for correct, IWGP. Right.
2: Correct. That makes Okada sense. Entered the year. Yeah. So I was going. My example was going to be Jericho. So Jericho entered the year. Okay. As AEW champion. He lost it. He didn't then win it back. So he is not an answer. If he right, had won fine. Back, then he would be an answer because he did fine. win the belt. Fine. Okay, there is 12 changes. You get one life.
1: Okay. okay. Um, so uh, Tetsuya Naito and Evil are the IWGP. Correct. Uh, AEW is Moxley and Omega. Correct. Um. <sighs> This is why I'm starting to struggle. So it's so a North American, um, Magnum TA, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Oh, sorry. North American title. I'm going to let you off here.
1: Yeah, Ma- yeah, Magnum TA is definitely one in 84.
2: The North American title, yeah? Yeah,
1: that's the top title, not the TV.
2: Hang on. Hang on. Controversial. Has, has there been a snafu here? Let's yeah, let all. Just well, clarify for the listeners, I'm 100% confident I'm writing this because I triple-checked it. But Okay. Because on Cage Match, when there's a title change, it puts it in capital letters. Um, and I'll just – do you know what? I'm going to – just to sort of be arrogant and prove I'm right. Um, in – let's get to it now. In – I'm having a nightmare. I'm under, I feel I'm under pressure. <laughs> um, oh Joe, I
1: can't bring the title history up myself because I'll spoil it, won't no, I? So no, 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 no. Don't
2: bring up yeah, the no, shot, I'm not. No. I'm not doing that.
1: I've closed hang it. On, I only on, got like on,
2: 1978. Right. Magnetier is
1: definitely right. It's definitely right. All in 1984. Right, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Right, hang on. <laughs>
2: right one second it's got to be because he lost
1: it to Ernie Lad didn't he so it it must be right okay when
2: and he wasn't he champion
1: it? at the start of the year he beat uh, didn't he beat Mr Wrestling 2 for it he was champion in 83 as well but he definitely won it in 84
2: so let's have a look shall we this is on Mid-South TV though right
1: oh did you say that yeah Oh, okay. Show. Okay. Sorry. So I uh, let you off. Yeah. Fine. Five for five. Fine. Did, did... and if
2: I didn't say it, people rewind. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, ap- the, apologies either the way. On the, fine. on the show.
1: Okay. So Ernie Ladd and um, Brad Armstrong.
2: Correct. So apologies. Take it back. Yeah.
1: On yeah. Sorry. Show. On the Never show. Sorry, everyone. Okay. No, no, no. That's that fine. So no, I'm
2: trying to keep it to the podcast. That we yeah. No, that makes complete to. sense. <laughs>
1: Two, three, four, five, six. Right, so, so I've got six at the moment. Half of them at the moment. So. Um Roman Reigns. He is on that. Yeah. Um Idol. Drew McIntyre. Correct. Randy Orton. Correct. Um I think. Uh Goldberg?
2: Correct. You have two left.
1: Um hmm. two
2: left and one life.
1: So two left. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which category they're in is the problem. Um, hmm. Universal. So it didn't go from Goldberg to Rain. So uh, Braun Strowman. Correct. So I've got one to get, have I? Correct. Um, so I'm just not sure which category it is. So in terms of on television, Mr. Wrestling 2 didn't win it on television because he won it in the Superdome from... from uh, Junkyard Dog, and then Magnum beat him for it, and then Only Lad beat him. So I don't, I don't think it's idea. North... You've covered Mid-South. Yeah, it's not North American. You're covered Mid-South
2: um, episodes, yeah.
1: WWE, I can't remember who had it. I think Lesnar was champion at the start of the year, and he lost it to Drew McIntyre. I think Lesnar was champion at the Royal Rumble, so I don't think it's it's that. Um, it's not AEW or IWGP, so it must be Universal, but I just can't think... Who that would be? Um, hmm, this is this is bugging me. I don't think I don't think I'm gonna get it. To be honest, I'll, I'll guess Seth Rollins, but I don't think that's right.
2: No, but you have a life.
1: No, okay. Um, it must be WWE, but I just can't think who it would be. It's Goldberg lost it to Strowman at WrestleMania. Um, I guess there must have been a title change in there somewhere. But I just can't, yeah, I'm gonna pass. I'm, I don't know who the, who the final one is.
2: Bray Wyatt.
1: Oh, I haven't said the fiend, have I? I
2: haven't said the fiend.
1: No, I haven't said the fiend. Of course it's him. Yeah. Okay. And also
2: just clarify for those um the other two mid-south ones that were non-televised. Yeah. Mr. Wrestling 2 and Magnum TA. Okay, great. So great. congratulations on that. So do you know what? That's a gallant effort. Eleven out of twelve, but you've got them two mystery hidden ones there. So I'm counting out as a win all round. Um and that is the twenty twenty slash nineteen eighty-four. Steve and Guttridge mastermind episode. (laughs) I look forward to 2021 1985, which now he's going to know about prepping it is going to be really bloody yeah hard. <laughs> i'm going to
1: make lots and lots of notes dan i thought that was i thought that was really excellent hopefully lots of people played along at home oh, that was really really good so thank you very much for the the prep that you put into uh put into that and again another really enjoyable show in, in, in a year of enjoyable shows and um, we've already done the sort of happy new year stuff on the other on the other show so we'll, we'll leave it tonight with where can people find you online? If they want to you know, hire you for perhaps a Zoom quiz master, which I, you I suspect go. you do a very good job at.
2: If you want to hire me for that or correct me on the amount of things that may be wrong in my questions there, uh, it's at Dan PFFC.
1: Perfect. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Happy New Year, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at MidMoments
3: on Twitter and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.